Blog Talk Radio. It is world. You just live in it. This is the Warren Markowitz Show. Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. And they say if we'll only avoid any direct confrontation with the enemy, he'll forget his evil ways and learn to love us. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Politics, 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 politics. That's right, it's politics, politics, politics. Welcome and good morning. Hi, I'm your host, Warren Markwitz, and this is Politically Incorrect on a Warren Markwitz Show, live on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to January 19th, 2018. That's right, we've made it to Friday, we've made it through another week, and God help us, I hope we make it through the weekend because, well, our political elitists are at it again. They seem to be making mischief at our expense, and of course, we've got ruffling of the feathers We've got problems all around. It's all because of the big bad man of Washington, D.C. You know, the guy they call the Cheeto, the guy with the blonde hair, the guy with the spray on tan, the guy that they say is absolutely out of his freaking mind, the guy that we probably absolutely, without any question at this point in time, needed to give us a serious freaking wake-up call about the losers and crackpots that we've been putting in office. Now, that's not to say that everybody's been a loser in a crackpot. I'm pointing my finger directly at Congress. You've been there for more than 10 years, probably time for you to go. If you've been in the Senate for more than 10 years, well, let's say 12 years, two terms, it's probably time for you to pack your bags and go home. We've got a lot of that to talk about. We've raised the issue of um, term limits before. You know my position. I'll tell you it again. It's time for term limits, even though the Constitution provides for it through the use of an election. We've kind of managed to screw things up by letting people stay there for decades, if not generations. Anyway, we are talking about immigration, the potential government shutdown, the disaster that has become in California, the shifts in geography in terms of population and influence, and of course, anything else that might be rattling around inside my brain for the next hour. So sit back, relax, enjoy and thank you for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook.com slash Radio Markowitz, Twitter at Radio Markowitz, iTunes, you guessed it, Radio Markowitz, uh, Blog Talk, Podomatic, Spreaker, and just about anywhere else you can find us on the Internet. Again, I'm your host, Warren Markowitz. This is Politically Incorrect on The Warren Markowitz Show, and we'll be right back after this break. Of course, as long as the Blog Talk platform works, then we get our advertisements out. See you in a sec. The Warren Markowitz Show. It is world. You just live it. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. 
So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-711-3017 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-711-3017. Again, that's 800-711-3017. The Warren Markowitz Show. Politically incorrect speech for politically correct times. That's right. It's my turn, my time, and my show, and welcome back. Okay, uh, before we get into our topic of the day, which will probably take a whole lot more than one day, I want to share a little story with you. That's right. I want to share a little something about what's been going on on my end of the world. Have you ever had one of those problems where things on your internet connection just didn't work right? You know, you were thinking, well, maybe I just need to improve my router. Maybe I need a new modem. Maybe both. And you just don't know what to do. So you call up your service provider and say, hey, can I get more speed? I have a need for speed. And they turn around and go, well, you've got a modem there that may or may not work with us. And I go, well, that's easy enough to fix. I got one of those. I have, I got another one. Yeah, I'm kind of the, the schmuck that has an extra something sitting around somewhere, especially if it's a digital toy. Um, so I swapped out the modems. I took the Zoom off that was working fine, if you ask me, and put on an Aris or what used to be the Motorola surfboards and put the modem on, and guess what happens? Not only did I have a massive problem on my network, but my router wouldn't connect or stay connected for anything more than a moment or two, which when you've got five people in the house with connected devices, televisions, internet, phones, etc., 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 well you know, it leads itself to a disaster. So out comes the next wireless router. Out goes the Netgear, in comes the Linksys. And guess what? All's fair and loving toys because while I don't have the overall network speed that I want, I've got a stable, solid network connection that is probably going to last me another couple of years because, I don't know, how the hell electronic stuff break down when all they do is plug them in and let them run? Last time I checked, Las Vegas didn't have a whole lot of power surges, or brownouts for that matter. But anyway, um, we're running off the 100 megabit system over at Cox, so if you guys are having a problem with the recording or if you're having a problem with the network, let me know. I'll see what I can do about speed. Uh, If you want to dial in and join us, the number is 914-338-1476. Again, it's 914-338-1476. If you want to uh, be a co-host, if you have a topic that you'd like to discuss, if you have any matters that you'd like to share with the general public that you believe are necessary, please, by all means, drop me a line at warren at galtspeaks at G-A-L-T speaks.com. Share your topic. If it's interesting and I find it uh, curious enough, then we will do a show together. I don't have a problem with that. I actually enjoy sharing my time with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I enjoy sharing my time on the air with you guys. And if that's necessary to do so, well, then guess what? We shall do so. Let me adjust this a little bit here. Um, on the other hand, want to give everybody a little heads up on what I've been working on. Uh, for those of you who know, I am a practicing attorney. I've got a couple of cases that are pending 
and some um, pretty interesting things. I uh, I'm working with uh, a, one of the defendants of the Bundy trials that was actually convicted. Uh, it's really funny. He was never convicted of something of violence, but uh, he's still facing 20 plus years in jail. His name is Todd Engel. You can find uh, a Facebook page about him from a support group on Facebook. I suggest you go check it out uh, if you feel the need and if you desire to help. Uh, there are contributions that are available that you can make uh, through his sister, Kelly, that will help uh, both him and his commissary account as well as on legal fees. And, of course, for those of you who know that I've been dealing with the Bolton man out in Missouri, uh, Jeff's the responses to the habeas petition that we need to file are due at the end of February. So everything is starting to perk and uh, February is going to be a very busy month. So if you don't see me on, uh, on the air on a regular schedule and I'm, I'm dropping in recorded episodes, it's because I'm in more places than I possibly can stand. So with that out of the way, let's talk about the disaster that is becoming the continuing resolution for our budget, because as you know, um, we've got until midnight East Coast time, basically 11.59.59, in order to be able to continue to operate a funded government before it goes kablooey. And this has become a bit of a game in politics. Um, back 20 plus years ago, when I was, uh, actually it's more than that, it's almost 25 years ago, when I was finishing my bachelor's degree, yes, I was on the eight-year program. Sorry, guys, I didn't do it in four. I did it in probably close to eight, maybe seven. When I was finishing the degree, I did some uh, time as, a, uh, as an intern in Albany. And I found it very interesting how they dealt with uh, the issues of the clock running out. There's a big, beautiful grandfather clock that sits inside the New York State Legislature <clears throat> in the Assembly Chamber. And when they run out of time, they literally stop the clock. So if they have to do something by midnight, somewhere along the top line of two or three minutes before midnight, the clock stops. And when they recess, they don't gavel out which technically means the term is still in session. The clock hasn't stopped, hasn't struck midnight, which is their timepiece, therefore making it still within a time frame, and it continues to move forward. Now, I bring that up because there are creative solutions to all of our problems, and yet we don't look to do that in our federal government because when you're talking the difference between billions of dollars spent and trillions of dollars spent, there is a bit of a significant difference. I mean, it all deals with money, and that's really much what this this continuing resolution that we're dealing with right now with this short-term budget fix. But here's the thing. When we deal with the spending that the government needs to do, we deal with the stuff that needs to be taken care of. We deal with what needs to be paid, what needs to be done. This, If it's a short-term fix, it's a short-term solution <clears throat> excuse me, to a long-term problem. Well, I got an issue here. The Democrats, and for that matter, the big business Republicans are holding up the problem. You see, when we started off today, I said we got the president we needed. 
It's because last time we got the president we wanted. Last time the American public wanted Barack Obama. They wanted to be able to say we elected a man of color. They wanted to say that we took a minority and put him in the White House. I could care less if the man did his job. I mean, he did his job to some extent, but I don't like it. Again, I'll say this a thousand times over. I wasn't thrilled with his policies. I wasn't thrilled with the way he handled himself. I wasn't thrilled with the way he handled issues on the world stage. But we got who we wanted. Or, and to some extent, we got who we deserved. And we got the results for what we deserved because sometimes when you think with your head, with, with your heart and not with your head, you get the results that are just not expect, expected. And therein lies our problem today. We elected Donald Trump. Whether you want to accept the fact that he's your president or not, that's up to you. But we elected Donald Trump. We elected somebody to come in from the outside. You know, he beat 16 or 17 other Republican candidates. And I could care less whether or not you say he was a Democrat one year and a politician they ever met. So what? It's politics. Everybody walks around with their hands out. Everybody's looking for money. It's all about the money. It's how much can you get? How much influence can you buy? What kind of things do you play? If you think that big business doesn't pay both candidates for access or for, for advertisement or for influence, you're growing up with your head in the sand. It's all about money. And even our problems today are all about money because the issues that we're dealing with are strictly monetary. Even the illegal immigration matter is a monetary matter. It's a how much does it cost us when they're here? How much does it cost us to get rid of them? How much does it cost us to maintain them? How much is it going to cost us if they bring their family members in? How much is it going to cost us to teach them English? How are we going to accommodate them if they don't learn English? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think it was Eisenhower who said the buck stops here. And yes, I should know that, but I don't. But the bottom line is the buck does stop here. It stops with you and I. It stops with the simple fact of the matter is that we are no, that the concept of a human resource, and I really hate that line, the idea that I am a resource to be exploited, expended, and replaced does not make me feel good about myself. And if today's political environment is all about how well I feel about myself, being called a resource and having pretty much the same value as a tank gas or a charged battery or a brand new cell phone, not thrilled with the whole thing. It's not my idea of fun, so to speak. That's all we are treated as. They talk about revenue. In government, how much revenue are they bringing in? How much dollars do they have to spend? How much do they have to borrow because there's a shortfall? Of what they need to spend? The revenue is our tax dollars. That's your blood, sweat, and tears. That's all the stuff you put in to work. You know, back in the day, and I mean back in the back in the day, back when we founded this, this country was founded, revenue is based on import duties, import taxes, things that came into the country. It was based upon the payment of services that you used. You didn't use the service. You didn't pay for the service. You brought something in through the ports. You paid the fees to bring the stuff into the ports, and that's where the money came from. You know, we lost track of the idea that government spending can be controlled. 
Government spending can be controlled when we decide to take the control back. You see, when government had, when, when the U.S. dollar was fixed against something, you could only spend as much as you actually had. So when the treasury was empty, the treasury was literally empty. You know, up until the Vietnam War, the U.S. government, if they wanted to go and start shooting someplace up, if they had a battle to fight, they had to convince you or I, more along the lines of our parents or our grandparents at this point in time, to support it. The war bonds effort. We've even seen that in the Marvel movies with Captain America. He's going on a war bonds tour. Why is he going on a war bonds tour? Why did Abbott and Costello go on a war bonds tour? What, what did they do that was so special? Well, they helped raise the money for the war. It paid the bills. We could only borrow if they were willing to give it to us. You know, that may have been the case in which we may have eliminated many of these involuntary, and I hate to use the term police actions, or nation-building events. We may not have spent 16 years in Afghanistan. We may not have dealt with the issues in Iraq. We, don't, we may not have spent a trillion dollars of, of, of money and gotten zero in return of the investment. Because to be personally honest with you, they want to sit there and shoot each other and, and kill each other because one decides that the grandfather belongs in charge and the other one decides the uncle belongs in charge. Be my guest. I don't want to deal with a 1,600-year-old family dispute. I don't want to deal with a 5,000-year-old family dispute. It's not my problem unless you make it my problem. And therein lies the facts, folks. We lost perspective from the past, and now we're dealing with the same issues today. And you say, wait a second, how does war and paying for war deal with the immigration problems we're dealing with today in the current political environment? Fairly simple. When it doesn't impact us directly, when we don't feel the impact of those expenditures, when we get to pay it off like a credit card, either through our tax dollars or for overall government borrowing or whatnot, we don't give a damn. We don't pay attention. It is a circumstance in which we do not recognize the impact and the damage that's being done. I'll give you a prime example. Illegal immigration has been a problem since the 1980s. It was last dealt with in, with as, under an amnesty issue with Reagan, and that was a that, you know and everybody goes well he was a he, you know a Republican president granted amnesty yeah he granted amnesty as part of a deal a deal to protect the southern border a deal to reduce or eliminate uh, illegal immigration a deal that we wouldn't have to deal with the problem again well guess what it's 30 years later we got the same problem we had then except now we've got three times the number of people that we dealt with beforehand. We have a circumstance in which all we do is kick the can down the road. We don't solve problems. Government hasn't been solving the problems. Government has been creating environments and creating problems for itself, create reasons to create problems, to create solutions to keep itself in business. Um, it's kind of like the pharmaceutical industry. You sit here and you wonder, do we know enough now? Do we know more now to be able to identify diseases and circumstances in which we can treat them? 
or are we creating diseases so that we can create solutions, so we can create customers, so that we can continue to cycle? I, I get the idea that cancer needs to be dealt with. Muscular dystrophy needs to be dealt with. Autism needs to be dealt with. But what about the fact that we are creating those environments to advance those problems, to advance our own pocketbooks? And I'm not, I am pointing out one circumstance, but I am not pointing the finger there and saying, well, see, there's a problem. If we eliminate that problem, well, no, it doesn't work that way. It's a web. It truly is a web of, of circumstance. It really is a situation in which our government is no longer working for us. Wait, let me, let me correct that one. The members of our government are no longer working for us. I think Trump, and I think President Trump, is, I think he's the reorganizational CEO that you bring in when a, when a company is really on the balls of its ass and hasn't figured out what to do with itself, and has simply been existing because that's the circumstance. He's the guy who comes in and pisses everybody off. Now, I'd like to see Trump as a two-term president, but likely he'll be a one-term president with a hell of a bang-up job as he walks out the door. Because he may say, okay, my job is done. I'm leaving. And I wouldn't be surprised at it. But here's the thing. Who's next? We, uh, you said, who's next? Who can take the reins and maintain a growing economic circumstance? Who can take the reins and maintain a, what used to be a nonviolent social environment? Because over the last 10 years, we've really turned ourselves upside down with a social environment to the point where it's a us against them. You can't sit in a room with a liberal anymore. I have a business associate of mine. I like the man. I respect the man. But every time he opens his mouth, it's somebody else's fault. The circumstances of the world are somebody else's fault. And it's just going to get worse because this guy is doing that and that guy's doing the next thing. And I'm saying to myself, Really? Are you that stupid? I know you're not. But why are you exa- why, why do you sit that? Why do you even figure that part out? How do you get to that situation? There was an um, there was an article I read this morning. Professor Jordan uh, out of Canada. He's the guy who just simply burned up the internet when he turned around and said to a bunch of Canadian students, "I'm not going to call you Z or Zer or Zitz or Zats or." whatever your pronouns happen to be, because Canada decided it wanted to regulate pronouns so that you don't have to insult somebody. But this conversation we're having today is pretty much an insult if you're offended by it, even though there's no intention to insult you. But if you don't feel pretty good about yourself when it's over with, I guess I've insulted you. But then again, it's too freaking bad. You see... He turned around and was having a conversation with a, a, a television interview in the UK. And the, the interviewer was pushing and pushing and pushing him about this, that, or the next thing. And it got to the point where he says, what right, does, what right do you have to make the world uncomfortable for a, uh, a transgendered individual? And he goes, the same right you have to have the, they ask that question of me. That question is just as uncomfortable to me as it is to anything else. See, we have 
lost the ability to have an argument, and I mean, I sincerely mean to have an argument with people, turn around and go, you know what? All right, we're done. Let's go have lunch. Let's go have a drink. Let's go call the ladies or the spouses or the significant others uh, and have dinner. We've lost the ability to actually debate things that are meaningful to try and find a solution. And that is where our problems are right now. And it's happening to the, to the extent that we're seeing it splinter our very society. California the other day was talking about splitting the two states, the inner part of California and the northern part of California and then southern California and a, and a coast. Basically, the wealthy would be the interior and the north and the poverty-stricken and the worst-off state would be whatever it be, southern California, California. Don't doesn't make a difference. When you look at where the money goes, people tend to wonder. I mean, New York was facing that for a very long time when they were talking about splitting Western New York and, and, and New York, quote-unquote, proper. And for those of you who aren't aware, Western New York pretty much starts, at, mm, I think, Orange County, up and over. And what you find out is that the money is one place, but all the expenses are the same place. And it's not necessarily on things that make money. Social programs. And, you know, immigration is a core issue when it comes to the social programs. And I'm going to take a breather, and we'll pick up the issue of immigration in California and the current issue with the feds, because it's important. It is just as important to deal with that now, because as I said at the opening, we are splintering now worse than we have been since the Civil War. And it's not about slavery. It's about ignoring one's obligations to their to to, to the People that pay the bills. Let's let's go right to that. I pay the bills. I pay you know, and that's where the problem is. You are being used and abused for the benefit of others, but you get no benefit from the others. Hang in there for a few minutes. I'll be right back. Separating the matter. From the chatter, this is the Warren Markowitz Show. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill for pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-0514 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-0514 to take your call now. Call 1-800-516-0514. That's 1-800-516-0514. Again, 1-800-516-0514.
Well, anybody else surprised that Blog Talk dropped the connection or had a problem once more time? One more time, because I'm not. I'm actually getting kind of frustrated. I think I'm actually going to do something called something archaic uh, and call them and find out what in God's name is going on. You know what? Let me finish that so I can actually clip it out in post production. So one sec, I'll be right back. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-0514 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-0514 to take your call now. Call 1-800-516-0514. That's 1-800-516-0514. Again, 1-800-516-0514. The Warren Markowitz Show. If you're thinking about it, we're probably talking about it. And we are back. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for sticking around. And damned if I know what happened. Anyway, here's the thing. New Year in there's a new year amongst us. And with the new year comes generally new problems, new laws, new issues, new matters, etc. It could be something as I don't know, as innocuous as you can't park your car in your driveway, you can't leave your garage door open more than three inches at a time. It could be uh, it could be almost anything as stupid as you could possibly imagine. And guess what? They do it. They time and time again, they will pass laws, they will structure issues, they will create circumstances in which the dumbest thing winds up with you paying a fine. And we let it happen. The homeowners associations. You know, I used to laugh when my dad called uh, your managers at McDonald's or Burger King or at the supermarket, your paper hat generals, because they thought they were running an army. But that term is so appropriate to even the little lunatics that run your homeowners associations that we allow, that we enter a contract into and allow these people to take over the daily events in our lives and to punish us for not complying you know, if I wanted to paint my house purple with stripes, I should be allowed to. It may not be the smartest move in the world, but yeah, I really should be allowed to. Or if I wanted to do something as crazy as raising the roof or lowering the floor, there's just there there are too many things that we have regulated out of existence. Uh, bad decisions being one of them, and that's where we got. That's where we've gotten to. California, oh, let me just pause for a second. The census, which is coming out, which, by the way, is also coming back in 2020, the census is showing a dramatic shift in demographics. And we're not talking colors. We're talking people. Picking up and saying, screw it, I'm out of here. There are places like like California and New York and some of the other high-tax states that are losing seats. People have left. There have been enough people to shift the authority and power in Congress by picking up and moving someplace else. 
places like Texas and Florida are becoming more and more powerful politically because of the simple fact that they contain more people. But why would people move from places like New York or California where there's big business and there's great opportunity to places like Texas and Florida? Economics. Money. It's all about the dollars, dude. You know, the same reason why there are economic booms in places you don't expect. It's about where the dollars can come from, where the dollars can be created. It's not about how much the government can take and then redistribute, spend, or share with others, or providing services. You know, every service you get from the government, somebody pays for. Uh, I think the biggest mistake that New York is going to be making is the fact that they've got this four-year free tuition in state schools. So the money, even though it was small, maybe $20,000 a year, maybe $10,000 a year per student, has to be made up somewhere. Does that mean people from out of state pay for it? Does that mean that tax holders, taxpayers pay for it? The number of people that go to college in New York in public in the public system, the SUNY system, is a lot. It's big. It's big. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt that if it's you know half a million or a million students a year. And that money needs to come from somewhere, but when it comes from you or I as taxpayers, or the New York taxpayer for that matter, then you recognize the fact that the government gets to determine what schools get to survive what schools get to flourish, what programs they get to offer. He who has the gold makes the rules. Well, that leads us to the problem of shifting demographics. It also leads us to the problems of immigration. Immigration has been gangbusters for the last three decades for the simple fact that we want to keep labor costs down. You see, there's something called inflation. And inflation occurs when prices go up, because the source of the, the availability of goods goes down, that's uh, organic. So if you've got a thousand people that are looking for 500 particular widgets, and the price of those widgets will go up until 500 people buy those widgets, and then we have no more widgets. That's how it works. And then you produce more widgets, and if you produce more widgets than need to be purchased, and the widget price goes down. That's an organic environment. Is it unstable? Yeah. It's called a market fluctuation. It happens. It's real. Automakers stop making particular models of cars when people stop buying that particular model of a car. And the leftover ones get sold at rock-bottom prices to the point where either they break even, make a little dollars, or maybe even lose money on it. But it all is supposed to come out and wash in the end because they would have made a lot more money on other products and a lot less money on some other products. But the labor cost was one of the things they fought to keep down, whether it be through negotiations with the unions, whether it be negotiations with management, whether it be by increasing the number of people to fill a particular slot. Therein lies the problem. Immigration, both legal and illegal, has been used to maintain a low economic structure or a low compensatory structure for the working class individual. 
Now, yes, we have jobs that are that you know that people come in from other parts of the world that are able to provide services or management skills or whatnot that we may not have a whole lot of on a top end. But for the most part, we're talking about the average everyday worker. We're talking about your friends, your neighbors, the people around you. When you have a circumstance, when you have a situation in which, excuse me, there is more people to fill a job slot. When a thousand people apply for 15 jobs, there's a problem. You can hire the first 15. They don't work out in three days. You fire them, hire the next 15. Eventually, you'll find 15 people to fill the job, and they'll stick around. It might take two or three cycles. But every time you do that, there's still that line of people out the back. And that's what these people are doing. That's why they're fighting so much for illegal immigration. It, the, the issue of splitting up families is bullshit because when people cr- break the law, we split up families all the time by sending them to jail. Remember that. Breaking the law means you go to jail for the most part. There are circumstances when you get uh, suspended sentences or you have fines paid or whatnot, but the, when you break the, but the law breaks up families all the time. Why should the immigration be any different? Just because you happen to be here and you've been here for three decades, I can't tell you to leave? I mean, the, 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 the person that they, in, oh, a couple of days ago, there was an issue, in, in, uh, it was on Martin Luther King's birthday or Martin Luther King Day on uh, Monday. They deported a gentleman who's been here since he's been here 30 years. He was brought here when he was about 10. He didn't qualify for DACA, so he couldn't get it. Um, he got a deportation order in 2009. It's now 2018, and they're telling him to leave. They deported him. He had a wife and two kids. What happened over the last 30 years? Or what happened over the last 10 years when you had a um, a welcoming and accommodating uh, administrative arm? Why didn't you petition for to, to stay? Why couldn't you... Cr- can, create a structure in which you would stay. Why didn't you prepare for the day when you were asked to leave? Because you already had the paper in your hands. You already had the deportation order from 2009. And yet we are faced with circumstances in which the California, the state of California, by the way, that was in Michigan. The state of California is in effect an open rebellion against the United States government and the people of the United States by putting those that are here illegally in violation of law, people that have jumped the fence, swam the river, got off a plane, overstayed, doesn't make a difference. But their permission to be here is either expired or never existed. And California has now made it illegal to re-verify under e-verify whether or not somebody is authorized to work. Now made it illegal or is now uncooperating with federal authorities when it deals with uh, immigration and customs enforcement by demanding they have a warrant to enter a place for inspections and making it illegal for somebody to be questioned about their immigration status in general. Now, I I have a question here. If California wants to control immigration on their own, how do they go about doing it? They don't have the authority. Seriously. 
And I mean, if the state, if the authority to deal with immigration is a constitutional authority that we, the we, we, the entire nation, when we created this nation, the states gave the states gave the authority to the feds. Here, let me see here. Section eight. I'll even go right back up to the top. Article one, the legislative branch, section eight. I'll read it to you. And it says as follows powers of Congress. And it comes down to do, 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 to establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies throughout the United States. Period. Simple. Naturalization deals with citizenship. Citizenship deals with immigration. Immigration deals with people who come from someplace else. It also happens to deal with people who happen to be here, too, for that matter. But if that's the case, what right does California have to tell an immigration official who has reason to believe that persons are in a particular place that do not belong, that they can't collect them? Now, don't get me wrong. If the person has a has a has a real reason to be here, and called me up and said, "Hey, can you help me?" Depending upon the circumstances, I might actually help them. I've never practiced in front of immigration before. I've had a good curiosity to it. It's pretty much an administrative function. But I would <clears throat> I would look at the circumstances and see what I can do to help. Need my caffeine, excuse me. But here's the thing California is now openly rebelling. The state itself, now no longer just a, no longer just the little cities or the, go, or the towns or or the school districts. The state itself is now saying to the federal government, we are not going to help you. As a matter of fact, for the record, they don't have an obligation to help. Let that one sink in for a second. We as individuals do not have an obligation unless we know, well, no, we don't have an obligation. We don't have an obligation to report anybody to the federal government. We don't have an obligation to to help the federal government find people who are here illegally. We don't have an obligation to um, make it, well, that's pretty much it. We're not a society that's built on reporting our neighbors. It really is that, it really is that simple. Our neighbors are our neighbors, but we are not allowed and we commit a crime if we openly interfere with the execution of the authority that is vested in the feds when it comes to immigration. In other words, we can't give what we don't own. It's a typical property issue. It's a common law property issue. I can't give somebody somebody something I don't own. I don't have the right to tell somebody they can stay someplace. Think about it. If I wanted somebody who's here that I know is here illegally, I don't have an obligation to turn them into the government. I'm not allowed to hire them because I'm supposed to check to make sure they're actually legally allowed to work in the United States because there's plenty of people here visiting that are not here to work. They're just here. They're called tourists. They're called students. 
and common and common and common. There's a whole list of things. But I'm not allowed to get in the way. I'm not allowed to interfere with the execution of governmental authority. And it's not the administration of justice. It's a governmental action. You see, California is openly rebelling. Now, here's, here's what's going to be funny. We are going to see over the next three to six months, maybe even the next year, a level of deportations in a California that will turn your hair white if it hasn't already done so. One out of three illegals in the United States lives in California. That, my friends, is upwards of 11 million people. 11 million people. California will literally tilt if we take 11 million people out. And if they already have... Let me let me tell you what's going what's going to happen. California says you can't check. California says you have to you know, ICE has to inform before they do an inspection. California says you can't cooperate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to pull every one of the deportation orders that has been suspended in California. Those people are leaving first. Pick them up, toss their ass out. Goodbye. Next one's out of this. I'll tell you why the next ones. Next one, next ones are going to be whatever percentage of the DACA people that are in California, they're going next. Not because we dislike them, but because you can identify them and know where to find them. I promise you, wherever, whatever state issued a driver's license to an illegal, that driver's license is now an identification card, and guess where you're going to find them. There's going to be ice raids in neighborhoods you've never seen before. All because we are openly rebelling against authority that is really not that big of a deal. You see, these people in Washington are holding 327 million of us hostage. 327 million people hostage over the government's budget to help 3.5 million people that are here without our permission. They are putting outsiders against family. You want to talk about breaking up families? You want to talk about ignoring responsibility? You want to talk about taking the sides? Now, these people are people. Every 3.5 million illegal immigrants, there's a person there, every last one of them. I'm not dictating value. I'm not dictating whether or not these people have a uh, – first of all, they don't have a right to be here. Let's be, let's be square. An immigrant does not have a right to be here without permission to be here. There's no right for you to come to the United States. It doesn't exist. Our freedoms are our freedoms. Our rights and obligations and responsibilities, our compact with our government is ours. It doesn't belong to you if you're in Mali. It doesn't belong to you if you're in South Africa. It doesn't belong to you if you're in China, Indonesia, Korea, England, France, Germany, or any place else on this planet. It's ours. And if we want to share it, well, maybe you should ask. And then we'll think about sharing it. What do you bring to the table? And that's not being greedy because when we're talking about being held captive, they have until March to deal with the DACA issue. They have 60 days more. 60 days after eight years. 
You understand the problem here? The problem isn't they don't that they want to solve DACA or they want to deal with the Dreamers. The problem is they never wanted to solve the problem in the first place. Because if they wanted to solve the problem in the first place, they'd have solved it. They had eight years to work on it. They had eight years when Obama put his pen to paper and through his executive order granted the, the executive amnesty through DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and then tried to pass it again for DAPA, the Deferred Action for Parental Arrivals or Parents of, uh, of Early Childhood Arrivals. They had the opportunity. The, the Democrats had the opportunity to create Three million more Democratic voters. But now they're going to scream at the rest of us that we're being rude and crude and unfair because we're going to hold up this whole thing and we're going to hold up this continuing resolution until you give us what we want. Well, you know what? I tend to agree with President Trump. His government needs a good shutdown. It needs to be rattled. Congress needs to be rattled to the core. Not the institution, the people in the institution. The people in the institution are the ones that are... I'm losing my mind with this. I really am. As I said, Congress's obligation is to the people of the United States, those that they represent. They represent the citizens and the residents of their particular states. They don't represent three and a half million people that are here illegally. The Democratic Party has decided that they are going to be the party of everybody else but. And it's not an issue of white over black. It's not an issue of Asian over, I don't know, whatever you want, whatever you want to say, European. It's an issue of the simple fact that you and I, you and I, are deserving of a government that represents our interests, not these interests of special interest groups, not the interests of, of, of fractional minorities. And I'm not talking about we shouldn't, we shouldn't advance the interests of black Americans or white Americans or Asian Americans or whatever hyphenation you want to come up with. I'm talking about, the fraction of the fraction of the fraction should not be holding up the, what needs to be done. They had eight years to solve a problem. The Democrats don't solve problems. They haven't solved the problem since, I don't know, maybe Kennedy. They have created an environment. Our government, are the people in office, let me, let, me, let me be very frank. The constitutional system is the best one on the planet. Our government is very, very simple. It really isn't that complicated. We've got a legislature, we've got an executive office, and we've got a, a, a court system. We have three equal uh, branches of government, all which keeps an eye on the other. It's really not that hard. Now get along. They weren't designed to be nice to each other. They weren't designed to make things flow evenly and quickly. That's an authoritarian government. That's a government that deals with the desires of one or a small group. 
That's a monarchy. That's a dictatorship. That we weren't designed that way, and yet we've got people that are rep- in our representative government that are there for so freaking long that they don't care what happens. They get their paychecks, they get their pensions, they get their health care, and they get it based on what they choose to do. I mean, Chuck Schumer has been a representative out of of New York for decades. It's time for you to retire. Thank you very much for your service. We do appreciate your voice. Time for you to go. Mitch McConnell. And all these other guys that have been in office for decades. You see, when we chose to change the way we elected senators, we kind of damaged something that actually worked well. Before the 16th Amendment, what happened with senators? Real simple. Quick one before we, before we run out of time. Before we did that, senators were appointed by the legislature. Have you ever noticed why senators are six years and House of Representatives are only two? Because the House of Representatives is referred to as the People's House. You and I get to elect directly our representatives for that particular office, for those seats. The legislature, the Senate was supposed to be a representative body of the states, of the governments of the states. Hence, everybody had two votes. Everybody gets two senators. And the reason for it was that the legislatures would appoint representatives in government, you know, in, in Washington to represent the state's interest. That's why a tax bill can only start in the House. A revenue bill has to start in the house. Something that raises money, that takes money out of your and I pocket, comes out of the house, comes out of our choice. Yet the senators were designed to overlap governments. That's why they run six years. They overlap congressional offices. They overlap uh, governors. They overlap presidents. They were designed. That's the way it was designed. And yet we decided we're going we're to directly elect our senators. I think that was a big mistake because now all we have is two more elected representatives and two of which are in there for three times as long as everybody else. And you see where it comes down to the house passed a continuing resolution. The Senate's now going to sit here and complain about it. And they're going to shut the government down and they're going to blame everybody else, but themselves because they chose a side of somebody that they shouldn't be choosing. Now, this may sound like I've got vitriol or hatred. No, I've got problems with being abused, with being ignored. Trump was elected. President Trump, Donald Trump became President Trump not because everybody thought he'd be better off than that than Hillary. Because as they like to point out, Hillary won a, po- won a popular vote, but she won the popular vote if you take all the votes that she took in California compared to everything Trump took. <clears throat> but Hillary took, if you figure out we went down the middle in terms of popular vote, it's because half of us realized we've had enough. And it was just enough for us to say we've had enough to put somebody in office who was an outsider. Somebody who would represent our interests and our goals and maybe make life miserable for the guys who have been entrenched for so damn long. 
Guys, whether we shut the government down, whether it continues on through next month, the problems will not change until we change the way we deal with them. Whether it be the three and a half million potential illegals under the Dreamers, whether it be the 30 million illegals that are here in the United States, whether it be the fact that we just have got to turn around and say enough is enough. Therein lies our problem, pal. Enough has to be enough. I, for one, have had enough. So with the election coming up this November, I remind you, your voice matters. Use it. Thank you for joining me. I'm Warren Markwitz. This is Politically Incorrected on Warren Markwitz Show. I will be talking to you soon. Be good. The Warren Markowitz Show on Red State Radio, Spreaker, and Podomatic. The Warren Markowitz Show on Red State Radio, Spreaker, and Podomatic.